Electricians may be heroes without capes, but we're not always angels. With all the regulations and safety precautions we have to carry out when we're working with electricity, sometimes, ah, yeah, I'll admit it, we cut a few corners. Electricians, yeah, we, they shouldn't do it. And yes, it is dangerous, but we all do it. And I bet you listen to this podcast and you think, yeah, I'd do that, but I ain't no way I'm going to admit it. Toolbox talks for electricians, loading electricians with the tools and the skills they need to reduce stress, gain back time and earn more money. Welcome back once again, Ben Poulter, your host. And do you take shortcuts? I know you're shaking your head right now and saying, no, no, I never do that. I do everything to the book and everything exactly as I should, as it says in the regs. If you do, well, you're one of a kind because so many electricians take shortcuts and it might not be putting the customer so much at risk, but putting you at risk instead. And one of the best ones is being when you can't find that circuit where it's fed from. It's a bleeding nightmare. You looked everywhere and you've tested everything you can. You know that you have to isolate it to be able to work on it, but you can't find where the hell it's fed from, what fuse it's fed from, where to be able to turn it off. It's a complete mystery. And nine times out of ten, it's probably a light in the garden or a garden supply where someone's done it 10, 20 years ago maybe and obviously not done it properly or labelled it so you can find the correct labelling to be able to switch it off. I've been to a property before where I've had a shed and it wouldn't go off. I need to isolate that supply because they were taking the shed down. So I switched the whole consumer unit off and it was still live. And I stuck my tester on it and tried to trip the RCD to make it trip somewhere. somewhere something's got to trip. It's got to be fed from somewhere. It's the logic in your mind. You step back and you think, this has got to be fed somewhere. I've got to be able to trip that fuse. So to be able to turn that supply off, I had to do something dodgy, which was basically pop the fuse. I had to snap the, snip the cable and pop the fuse to make sure it was dead. It did actually trip a fuse somewhere, but uh, it took me a little while to find out where. It turned out the previous owner that owned the house maybe 10, 20 years ago, had taken the supply from the bus stop on the other side of the fence. And it did have a BS88 fuse on the street lamp that it was fed from, but you'd never imagine that it was fed from there. You don't really look outside the perimeters of the property. You sort of look somewhere, maybe someone's buried a consumer unit, or someone's buried a joint. But no, it was fed from outside the property, which yeah, that guy must have known doing a dodgy job. Or you never know, someone might have done the job for him. I said, here you go, mate, there's free electricity from the bus stop next door. Bit crazy, but there's nothing you can do. And I think that these are the type of installs that electricians are maybe up against today. Maybe when Part P weren't about. Back in the day, there was... Well, there was every every man and his dog being a, a builder was being an electrician and everyone was doing sort of all the trades, a jack of all trades, they call it. They were doing all the trades and just they knew a little bit about every trade so they could maybe fit a gas boiler, which would, yeah, leak in sort of three or four years and cause a problem. Or maybe they fitted some electric and yeah, it caused a fire. And this is why you don't even know what you're up against sometimes when you go to a property or a new customer. Well, to be honest with you, I reckon it happens in new builds where they got this guy comes in, they do it on a price and they just get it done. But it's not done to regulation and end of the day, they don't know it's not safe. 
So, yeah, sometimes you find some weird and wonderful installs. And I know that forcing the fuse to blow, it helps you determine where the circuit's fed from. But I didn't want to be pulling on that cable to find out where it goes or where it's fed under or where it's isolated when the cable was live. Because if maybe I pulled a cable out and it sprung back and it might give me a shock, I wanted to protect myself first. It's the tools that electricians use. They're rated to be able to protect you from a thousand volts. And there's a good reason for that. Not only to protect you personally from getting a shock, but it's when you're on an electrical panel and them tools, sometimes they do. They slip out your hands. They might slip out your pocket. But then they're not going to arc across maybe some live buzz bars. I think the young lads and uh, modern day electricians, as you call them, they understand this a lot more because health and safety has been drummed into them a lot more in deeper detail at college. However, I have worked on site where I've seen electricians who've got their spanners out and their screwdrivers out without an insulated one in sight. And that's the, one of the worst shortcuts you could ever do, especially when you're working on a live supply. It's when you're working on maybe an industrial install with a three-phase board and the client says, yeah, I don't want you to switch off the whole board. I don't want you to disrupt the whole office maybe, but you've got to gland off that armoured cable into that board. And yeah, it can sometimes take you maybe an extra hour insulating all the area with maybe rubber mats or something like that, just in case like maybe that banjo might slip off and it'll go in the wrong place because you can be sure that it's not going to slip off and fall directly into your hand and you're going to catch it perfectly to be able to slip it back on. It doesn't happen like that. That's like a bit of a dream. It's going to fall between two phases and go with a pop and go with a massive bang and possibly hurt yourself as well. So I think the older we get, the more safety conscious we get. It's seeing these things go wrong as well. And not just for the electricians that get hurt from the silly little shortcuts that will probably save them 20 minutes in the long run, but it's the, it's the amount of paperwork you have to fill out on site. If you've ever been on site and had a small little accident, there is a massive, the site, get, the site gets shut down and everyone gets sort of asked what happened if someone got hurt or maybe someone didn't you. Because I, I blame it on because there's blame as a claim. Uh, more likely the lads, if they hurt themselves at work, they think, sweet, I'm going to sit at home now for six weeks and getting paid for it. So they will jump on that. Everyone does. I know back in the day, it probably didn't happen. You just shoved them in the canteen with a cup of tea till they got over it and they got back on with their job. But these days, health and safety has gone mad. And the thing is, if something does go wrong, and then someone's got to get the blame. And if you are doing the job as the electrician, you're going to get the blame for sure. I've refused to work on live installations before in the past when I was employed. And I was told to get on with it or pack my kit up and get off site. Well, I packed my kit up and got off site. But the funny thing is, they probably got someone else in that company to go back there the next day to do the same thing what I was requesting to do, like maybe turn the board off or have the right insulation gear. Sometimes you need the proper ins insulated kit to be able to work on an install that's live. Like you need 1,000 volt screwdrivers, 1,000 volt spanners and stuff like that. But as I say, I will never know what happened there because I packed my kit up and left. I don't know who would have gone back though because any electrician would know that would be dangerous, especially with 415 volts or... Doing it properly is probably going to save your life sometimes, but there'll always be someone that will think, well, if you're going to pay me 500 quid to do that job, that's 500 quid in my back pocket. Not thinking about how dangerous it is, maybe not even being an electrician, but being on site as an electrician. 
that leads me on to the next one that some electricians do, which I've heard of is a lot more common than than I actually thirst for. Because with everything in the whole wide world being faked right now, there's fake electricians out there. You wouldn't believe it. Inside the Toolbox Talks for Electricians group, there was a post from a guy who looked like an electrician. He had pictures of a hard hat and all the tools and things like that all over his profile. So I thought, yep, let him inside the group. But then he posted this bizarre thing inside the group. It was a picture of a JIB card, an ECS card, and sitting gear's qualifications with the writing saying that if you want all the qualifications without taking years or costing you a fortune to get them, you can just do this for free. You can contact him on a WhatsApp number. Which I thought, hang about, this is a complete con. But they were basically fake. He was going to give you fake certificates and fake JIB cards and fake ECS cards. Just fake. I don't get it why someone could or would even buy fake qualifications. The only reason I could think of is because I know back in the day when I worked on big industrial commercial sites, there was lads, well, we got paid just to sit around because there weren't any materials or we just had to be that person on site. The company had to show that they were sending us. So you can understand why some people, maybe a lot of electricians, just get paid to turn up and be there and do nothing. And sometimes there isn't anything to do. So these guys with the fake qualifications, they're maybe seeing a little gap in the market there and think, yeah, I'm going to jump on that. So they make a quick couple of grand. Oh, and they can do that because electricians get paid well. They can make a grand a week. So what if they get these fake qualifications? Well, I don't know how much they cost. I didn't even ask. But say they cost 500 quid. And then you get a job for two weeks as an electrician. And then until you get found out, I suppose, because they're only going to be sacked later on. But when they get found out that they're actually useless or not even useless, that they haven't really got a clue what they're doing. Or even if they hurt themselves, anything can happen. It's a crazy situation to think about what happens in the world. I know it's not the only one in the world that happens, but there is, for electricians, I think it's a bit it's a bit mad. Someone to say, yeah, I'm a sparky, I'm going to turn up, I'm going to work on that free face board, I can do that for you. And then he gets his spanners and screwdrivers out, bang, he's lost his hand. Well, that was a waste of like £500 pound for your fake qualifications and you ain't going to get paid... Oh, I don't know, I suppose they would get paid for the work they've done sort of thing because they'd be able to claim off the company's insurance. I don't know what their plan is, but fake qualifications, they're just not worth it. But leading back onto actual electricians, what they do, this is common. I know it is because I've spoke to a load. Temporary fixes. And it's most common in the electrician's own house. And you know it's safe because it's protected by the right size fuse and it ends up being there for a little bit longer than you first anticipated sort of thing. It's crazy that most of us electricians, they go out and do a beautiful job and with a proper containment and all the lovely neat cables that they clip to make sure it's nice and neat and even the fuse board is covered up. But we make sure it swoops in beautifully and it's all numbered correctly. But when we do something in our own house, we sort of throw it in, get it done, get it on because I need that to work now. Maybe when it comes to maybe a TV on the wall, you want to mount that TV up. Your missus has said, I want to put that TV on the wall. So she's gone out, got a bracket. You've fixed it all on the wall, lovely and neat, all nice and safe. But you need a plug up there. And it's not dot and dab. So you can't fish behind it nice and neat and tidy to get that socket up. So you just plug it onto an extension lead. It's a temporary fix. You're going to sort it out one day. It's when you have a, maybe a spare afternoon. You're going to chase it in and do it lovely and neat and repaint or replaster whatever you need to do because it's going to turn that job into a bigger one. But when do you get a free afternoon? Since become an electrician, when are you not busy? 
if you're not out doing work or you'll be at home doing sort of paperwork or sorting the van out for the next job. So those temporary fixes that you thought, they'll just be temporary. They'll be there for a couple of days, maybe a week max. Yeah, they turn out to stick around for a little bit longer than you first thought. But this next one, who's going to relate to this one? I could probably say 90% of electricians will relate to this when you're using the wrong tools for the job. And I'm not talking about your hand tools here where you're not using insulated because you've well, if you're an electrician, you're half decent. All your kit is basically insulated. And I think we all use our expensive screwdriver sometimes, maybe as a chisel or use it as a hammer or hammer that screwdriver where we maybe shouldn't have because it's a bloody expensive and you're ruining it. But picture this scenario. You've got a light to change at high level. You've got the light. You've got all the fixings. You've got the ladders all set up and ready to install. Bang about that ladder doesn't go up, just doesn't go up all the way. That's comfortable working height. You can't access it, it doesn't get up to that certain position. So that's it. You have to rearrange the job and you have to go back, come back the next day to get some longer ladders or some higher ladders. So you have to do a two hour round trip just to put maybe one light up. Or do you? I bet you could park the van up against that wall and then that van could like foot the ladder on the roof rack. And I can tell you for a fact that 100% or electricians have done this in the past. Don't ask me exactly how I know though. Because you shouldn't do it. And it is dangerous. You could fall and I don't know what if the handbrake slipped off the van. There's more things that could happen and you could dent your van. That's I never thought of that. That's probably a bad thing as well. But it's just the thought that saving time that persuades you to go ahead and do it. Because if it's a two hour round trip to get that maybe that light or that extra ladder it's a lot of hassle and it's what's it going to take you to put a light up if you use your van to foot it it's going to take you 20 minutes if that so yeah maybe a little bit of a shortcut sometimes that we shouldn't really do another thing that springs to mind is being an electrician you should be used to checking things double checking and then checking again and sometimes you just want to be cracking on and get full, go full steam ahead. You want to get going. You don't want us to keep checking. Is it live? Is it dead? Is my tester broken? Uh, there's a lot of things you've got to do, lots of stuff for safe isolation. And I would say that nine times out of ten, going full steam ahead, yeah, it works out a lot of the time. You go in there, you fix your cables, drill your holes, get that job done super quick, and you're out, and you've made quite a decent profit on that job. But it's just that one time where it goes wrong. You didn't check to see what was behind that plasterboard wall. You didn't look around first. You didn't have a little survey of that installation to see, right, how am I going to do it? Everything works better when you make a plan. And cables, yeah, they're not the problem. You're an electrician. You can fix that. Some bloody water pipes that are in the way half the time. It's not until it's too late and the water's pouring out the wall, or even worse, if you smell gas. Because this has happened to me before. I was working away in the kitchen, drilling a hole. It was a four-inch hole for the extractor, for the extractor fan in the kitchen. What we were refitting a new kitchen or something. It was a little while ago now. But to be fair to me, that gas pipe had come down the centre, the centre of the wall. There was no sort of warning. There was no tape when I was drilling through to say that that gas pipe was there. And I just nicked it just a little bit. I, could, I felt it nick it. I don't know why. Something in my head said, you've hit something wrong here. And so I stopped. Yep, smelt gas. So I went outside and I turned it off. And then when I was outside, I quickly like called up a few plumbers that I knew and then went in and told the customer because then I could tell them, give it 40 minutes, there's a guy going to come here and he's going to sort it all out. So that was a bonus to me. The customer was fine, luckily, 
But it was just a nightmare of hitting it because it, it, if anything worse could have happened, I suppose, if it was red hot and it was drilling through brick. But no, it was fine. It was, it was one of them things. That bloody pipe was in the way. But these things happen. And in that scenario, there's nothing I could have done to stop it. I would never have known that gas pipe was there. Not until I'd smashed the plaster off the wall, to be honest. But you do find in some houses where other tradesmen have been, where they've maybe run cables or they've run pipe work. They've just run it anywhere. And it's like when you're maybe doing a rewire. And you need to drill out them joists for a nice tidy run for your cables to come in so you can pull, pull all these cables in at the same time to get to a certain location, maybe downstairs, where you're drilling through the joists. But if you don't check both sides of that joist before you start drilling, I could put money on that there'll be something in the way. A pipe, an old cable, there'll be something in there that you would nick if you don't just go ahead and check that you're going to drill a nice straight run. And these sort of things, when the accidents happen, you've got to hold your hands up to it. You've got to just say, look, I've made a mistake. It's the best way to get out of it because if you get busted sort of thing, saying, yeah, I've got a plumber to come in here and fix it. You've got a fix there or something. Hold your hands up to it and say, look, man, this has happened. This is bound to happen. I've made a mistake. But there's also some of the small little things that we do that maybe is a temporary fix in other people's houses that you may have run out of something like earth sleeving. But you don't want to have to stop it, stop you from finishing the job. So you route around in your van because the last thing you want to do is leave that earth wire better with bare copper. That's just a complete cowboy thing to do. Leave it with bare copper. At least try. So you find your electrical tape could be the solution. But it just looks rubbish. It could it can come off the electrical tape. It looks pants and I don't know. I've seen it before. They just wrap it around like this wire and it just looks like it's been pulled out the skip. It looks horrible. So you try and pull a piece of earth wire from maybe a flex that's laying around in the van and you sort of sleeve it that way. So at least it's identified as a earth cable. But I find it's always in the back of my mind that whoever's going to follow you the next time, because maybe the customer doesn't ring you up for the next uh, electrical job they do, or they do a bit of DIY themselves, or it just looks like a bodge job. And you have to sort of say, yeah, I've done this differently. And there is honesty is your best policy. If you just explain to the customer, say, look, this is earth sleeving. I've identified it with a bit of she a sheath off of a bit of flex cable. Just explain so they know. So you don't get caught out because they'll assume that you're a billy bodger. If you explain to them, say, look, I've run out of earth sleeving. I can pop back another time and change it over. But this is what I've done for now. This is a temporary fix. Don't try and hide it. Because when you try and hide things, it makes you makes you look guilty, basically. Because over here in the UK, we've got this Rogue Traders on TV. And it is quite popular. I watch it myself. So you try to do the best job you can. And you can explain everything you've done and why. Because you don't want to be on that program. Honestly, they are some bad people on that program. They must have took a, a long time to build up their reputation to be able to rip people off like that. But I guarantee you, once they've been seen on that program, it, they're not going to do it again, are they? They ain't going to get called. They're ne no one's ever going to call them. It takes years to build up a good reputation, but it can take 10 seconds to ruin it. You want to start off by building a solid reputation with your customers by keeping your electrical business in the forefront of their mind. And I have some free downloads inside the Toolbox Talks for Electricians group on Facebook 
that you can send to your customers that you can just remind them of electrical safety or energy saving tips that is a fantastic one at the moment because of the electric prices all gone up so you can just educate them in the fact of maybe boiling the kettle less water in just little things like that tips and then not shoving it hey do you need an electrical work doing in their face you can just subtly say i'm still here and if you have any problems with electrical needs i can come and fix them so jump into that group check it out and have a look at the post it will say about emailing your customers and keeping your customers at the forefront of your mind so i'll leave a link in the description below so you can find that group easily so until next time i'll see you again get inside the toolbox talks for electricians group and post your experience of what we've talked about today i'll leave a link to the group in the show notes below until next time i'll see you again <laughs>